Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Um, I'm preaching on the shadow. The shadow. Um, Before we go into the shadow, it's like I had to... um, I, I think the journey that the Lord is taking me on is... And I said it before, it's from Habakkuk 2.2. You probably hear this scripture every time, if again, I speak. And it says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the tower. And I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. And what answer I will give as his spokesman when I am reproved. To see. The Lord, you know, I think I mentioned it the last time. The Lord is saying, you don't just read the word, and oh, I've read. In your meditating on the word, ask him to make your eyes see, not just hear, not just, you know, a head understand, but you must see. And he's giving us vision. He's giving us visuals into his word. It's almost like he's actually taking you and putting you inside the word at the time. And you see. And you know, when you see and hear, it remains with you. It doesn't go anywhere. It, be, it actually becomes part of you. Okay, so I was reading Psalm 91. Verse 1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no enemy can withstand. I've read it a million times, maybe not a million, but we've all read it many times. Suddenly, shadow. Shadow? What's the shadow, <laughs> you know. So I first of all went into the dictionary. A shadow is a dark area or shape produced by a body coming between rays of light and a surface. So basically, there has to be light. There has to be a substance or a body. For, and then, you know, um, the light can't pass through that so that it creates a shadow. Um, another word for shadow a person who accompanies someone in their daily activities at work in order to gain experience or insight into a job. Say you're shadowing someone means you're following them around, seeing what they, they're doing so that you can do it as well. Another definition says to follow, observe secretly and closely. Okay, so if that's what a shadow is, um, a dark area produced by a body become, coming between rays of light and, and a surface. How can a shadow be my safe and secure place? Um, you know, how can a, a, you know, a, a, a darkened area be a place where I'm safe and secure? It's not like it has fencing or barbed wire or anything, it's, it's a shadow. Yes, it is the shadow of the Lord. So I'm like, okay, Lord, um, I need to see a little more about what your shadow is. So I began to look into the word for other places where he talked about his shadow. Um, Okay. Um, And then I, even before I, I did that, I was like, God himself 
is light. And it talked about light shining on something else. So, you know, I was sort of confused on how he could have a shadow. If he is the light, he is the light. So then what part of him causes a shadow? Okay. Um, so as I was meditating on that, the Lord said, you've got to understand me by the spirit. And I'm like, you know what? It is also something that he has been speaking about in recent times. You are a spiritual being first. Before you are the flesh and blood and the soul, you are spirit. And God himself is a spirit. And we need to, to relate to him more by the spirit because then that takes ascendancy over the soul and the body. All right, so, um, so suddenly I'm like, if you are light and you are spirit and you are everywhere, then your shadow must be you. Like, if you have a shadow, you're not, the sh your shadow is not, it, it's, it's an image of you, but it's not you. But God's shadow is actually him. Okay, we go on. Um, a shadow, the word shadow, um, and I'm going to ask Margaret if my wording is right. I said a shadow must be a metaphor. Is that the right word to use? A metaphor for a place. It's, it's not, it's, it's just a word that is used as and not, as we understand shadow, um, for a place where he hides us in his own presence. So it brings me back oh, to the presence of God. Because if we take shadow literally, as, this, as the dictionary has said, doesn't, how can a shadow hide you so it must be him and thinking of him as being omnipresent if he's everywhere him the spirit god so there's no place for a shadow then <laughs> anyway so um and then and the other thing before we I go into a little more was you know in that same verse it says he who dwells he who dwells in the shelter of the most high Again, I went to find out what's a dwelling, what's, what does dwell mean? A dwelling obviously is a place of residence, a place where you stay, a place where you live. And then to dwell means to linger on a particular thought or idea or to remain fixated on it. So if you put dwell back in the verse, he's saying that you need to live. This is where you need to live. Yeah, he who lives or remains fixated on. So I'm like, okay. So in the secret place, what do we do? We come before him. Um, maybe we wake up, we sit with him, some for an hour, some for five minutes, some for five hours, um, and then you leave. You go about your daily business. But dwelling 
says you must remain. It's, 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 it's a place where you must be all the time. So when you leave, what happens? Is, is that it? I've done my hour for the day. I've done my five minutes. Even if it's five hours, I've done my five hours for the day, and that's it. I'm gone. I can go about my own business. Ah, okay. So yeah, it's, yeah. So if we're to dwell, as he says, dwell, it means that even your thoughts must linger, must stay fixated on him, even when you are out of what we would term as the secret place. It's a dwelling. Then um, he says, like Elder Deji rightly said to us last week, we must be able to discern his verse, his voice, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, at all times, and in whatever manner he chooses to communicate with us. So you know what? Your spirit must be up there, must be alive, must be waiting and expecting and be prepared 24-7, awake or asleep, to hear from the Lord and, you know, to discern what are you saying? Where do I go? So, you know, um, I sort of used this and looked. I'm like, I, I, I'm nowhere near there yet, but um, I'm asking you to be there. <laughs> but no, I'm just um, saying. This is actually what he wants from us. Fixated on him 24-7. So, therefore, as you... Make up your mind, you know what, I'm going to do this. You know, as they say, when, you, you know, when you're practicing something, it takes time to get there. And he, he knows that. But it, it has to be a desire in you. I want to be there. I want to dwell. I want to be fixated on you 24-7. Even if I'm called a fanatic, hey, praise God, fanatic for the Lord. All right. And then you get to know him so well. And you'll find that you see him... On an advert, he speaks to you through an advert. You go out into the sunshine, he's there. Yeah, you, all of nature speaks to you. You see him, you recognize him. You become amazed and in wonderment at who he is and what he does. Okay, so, um, I began to think of his present everywhere. He's everywhere at the same time. So he knows everything at all times. And yet, so we, we know him as omnipresent. We know him as everywhere. And at the same time, he is also Emmanuel, God with us, which refers to what he says in Matthew 18, 20. For wherever two or three are gathered, as my followers in my name, I am in the midst of them. So, he's present, omnipresent. He's also Emmanuel. And then, even as we read in Malachi 3.16, which was the last time I spoke, he listens in when we talk about him. And then you begin to wonder, how can he listen to two billion people at the same time? He's omnipresent. You know, this began to make me think, 
God, who are you? How, how big are you? His spirit, he's not, you know, and I began to say, you know what? We can't be thinking of him. We know he's big. We can't be thinking of him of this giant big man. No, his spirit. There's no way there's a gigantic big man who can stand and, and hear two billion people talking at the same time. His spirit, which means I'm like, Lord, we need to get to know you by the spirit more so than ever before. My, my image of you has got to change, completely change. Because sometimes, you know, because we've met Jesus and Jesus in, in person as a human, we relate to God, Father, Son, and Spirit as we would relate to Jesus. So we think that, oh, if, you know, if Jesus is over here, I can go over here and Jesus won't know. He, he's omnipresent. He's a spirit. And that's why he says, worship me in spirit and in truth. Okay. Um, and you know what? It makes me also think how awesome that God the spirit who is everywhere at the same time, became flesh. How did he fit all of who he was into flesh? It, it limited him. So Jesus as a man was limited as Jesus God because he had to come within the confines of the flesh so that he could relate to us, so that he could understand our confinement and so that he could walk the walk that we can walk. All right. Um, and then, okay, so he's omnipresent. He's Emmanuel. Again, um, <laughs> I came to the third part of his presence. Or this was just, you know, asking him. And then he's placed his spirit inside of us. You, got, you, you, you receive Jesus and you get born again. And it says, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. So, what do we think of that? Do you think, you know, like, well, this was me. He was asking, do you think I take spoonfuls of myself and say, hey, you have a little, you have a little, you have a little. Or do you think it's one strand of hair or a toenail that I distribute? Yeah, yeah, well, he said, no, it's all of who I am in every single one of us. Him with his attributes, him with his nature is inside of our spirits. It, it made me, um, um, yeah, it, and it's, it's not like we say it, but this is now seeing it, see him. Put himself inside of you. Everything that he is, is in you. You have access to all that he is. The way he thinks, the way he does things, you know, his nature, the way he loves, everything about him is inside of you. Okay. And I thought, okay. No wonder we're striving to understand who we are because we haven't understood him. 
we, we don't realize who we are. We don't. I'm telling you, we don't. I don't. I know nowhere near, but we're getting there because I think our journey is to find out who he is so that we can understand who we are. Okay. But then it made me understand how he's near us all the time. He is. Not only is he omnipresent or Emmanuel, but he's in you with all of who he is. Okay. And the other thing I realized, which is, you know, something you said at communion when you said we should examine ourselves. I wrote here, when you learn to dwell, continuously turn your thoughts, continuously be aware of him, continuously ask him, continuously talk to him all the time, all the time, all the time. <laughs> um, then you know what? You, you cannot sin and remain in that sin. You can't. Because as soon as you go off, the spirit of God within you convicts you immediately. And immediately you repent. That's fine. He's made room for that. He's made room for us to repent. 1 John 1, 9, he has. And so you, sin should not remain in you. Shouldn't. Because if you are alive to him, in other words, if you are dwelling in him, if your thoughts are turning all the time to him, if you are constantly aware of him, sin can't remain. <laughs> because when conviction comes, you, you, you can't but repent. You, you, you will repent. Yes, we will repent. <laughs> okay, so... Um, this was just on my journey to find out what his shadow is. Okay, in looking through scripture, most of the references were shadow of death. I'm like, ah, that's not God. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah it, it's true. Most of them were. Um, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Obviously, that's not God's shadow. But the most, I was like, my goodness, how many references to the shadow of death? But they were there. Okay. And um, then I came to Psalm 17, 8. Psalm 17, verse 8. Keep me in your affectionate care. Protect me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the protective shadow of your wings. That's why... Um, I said, today's song, you know, we talked, uh, the, the last song you did talked about, you know, the, the wings. It talked, it talked about the presence. So, again, a reference to the shadow, but this time the shadow of your wings. Wings. Does the Lord have wings? <laughs> He's a spirit. Again, I believe this is a metaphor. Is that the right word I'm using, metaphor? It's a metaphor for, you know, just to help us understand who he is or, you know, what he does. Okay, and there was another um, reference to the shadow of his wings, Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. 
And I thought I, I was a little stuck on the wings and the shadow of the wings. I'm like, okay, Lord, can you explain what the shadow of your wings, what happens in the shadow of your wings? What, you know, um, he says we find refuge, but I wanted to know a little more about what happens. I know, don't forget, we said already that the shadow means his presence. Okay. And I was led again to the book of Ruth. Um, how do I start this? Okay, the verse that popped up was Ruth 2.12. Ruth 2.12. May the Lord repay you for your kindness, and may your reward be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. And then, I, so I began to look into the book of Ruth to see what it meant. Uh, the story of Ruth, I'll pick um, a few verses from chapter 1. Chapter 1, 14 to 17. Then they wept aloud again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And Naomi said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Urge me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Wow, what a strong statement. And the reason why I said to her gods was because Ruth made a choice not just to be with Naomi, but to be with Naomi's God. So what was Ruth leaving behind? Everything familiar. She left her family. She left the place where she had grown up, you know, she left the, maybe the kind of foods they eat, the, the culture, she left everything that she knew and said, I'm coming with you. What, what made her, what was it that made her make such a drastic decision? Obviously she had, I mean, <laughs> You know, in, in my opinion, you know, this family came from Israel. The father died. Both husbands died. You know, and then Naomi says, I'm going back. And she, and she says, I, I don't have a husband to give you anymore. And she says, I'm going back. Your God shall be my God. Your people will be my people. She found something in Naomi that attracted her, because the only way she could have known about Naomi is God, because if, if it was you and I, you'd be like, if your God was who he's supposed to be, why did, why did my father-in-law die? Why did my husband die? Why did my, you know, my husband's brother die? But there was something that Naomi obviously portrayed about this God that made her say, you know what? Your God shall be my God. I'm coming with you. 
All right. Um, and I just, at this point, I just said, Lord, may our love for you radiate so much that people, like we were praying, that we would be true witnesses for you, like Naomi. Naomi obviously portrayed God so much that Ruth said, I'm leaving everything behind. It was a risk. It was a risk. How, how much risk do we take for our God? How much are we willing to give up for him? She gave up everything, everything. The only person she knew in this new place was Naomi. She didn't know what the rest would be like, but she knew Naomi's God through Naomi. Okay, um, so we come to Ruth chapter two. Okay, this was just um, who Ruth was. I was, it just um, blessed my heart. Okay, so Ruth, chap um, Ruth chapter two verses, a lot of the verses. I start with one to nine. Naomi had a relative of her husband, a man of great wealth and influence from the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one of the reapers in whose sight I might find favor. And she said, and Naomi said to her, go my daughter. So Ruth went and picked up the leftover grain in a field after the reapers, and she happened to stop at the plot of the land belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Remember, God had heard Ruth say, your God shall be my God. Okay, so he was already directing her steps. And, you know, Ruth's faith in God actually motivated her to work. She, she had come back here now. Naomi was probably getting on in age. Who, where were they going to feed? You know, and, and you know, if you read further into Ruth, they didn't even have the, the house that they left. It, it, you know, Elimelech's plot of land had gone. So I don't even know where they were staying. But Ruth now knew, I have to look after my mother-in-law. I have to be there for her because, you know, um, she has nothing. But God directed her steps. She came to the field of Boaz. Um, and even at this point, it made me think, um, are we motivated to do the works of God? Are we? And if we are, are we doing them? Ruth, from nowhere, came, and she was ready to work. <laughs> ready to go in, in, in. Don't forget, this isn't her culture. This isn't where she grew up. She doesn't know them. She's going to go among people whose language she doesn't know. She's going to go and ask, can I work? Can I pick up grain? But she went. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what are the works that the Lord wants us to do? Are we doing them? <laughs> okay. And at this point, it was the Lord said, put this verse in, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's just something to meditate on in terms of the works that Jesus has given us to do. This is his commission to us. Okay, it wasn't his commission to Ruth. Ruth gave, God gave her a commission, look after Naomi. Go with, she didn't know any blessings were coming. She, all she knew was my job or the works I'm to do is to look after Naomi. And she was doing it as best as she could. Anyway, that, that verse was not part of the original. It was when I was going, he said, put that verse in. So, okay. Okay, so verse, where am I now? Verse four, because I only stopped at three. It was then that Boaz came back from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, who is that young woman? The servant in charge of the reapers answered, she's the young Moabite woman, Moabite, a stranger. <laughs> who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and she has continued gathering grain from early morning until now, except when she sat resting for a little while in the field house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but stay here close by my maids. We all know that Boaz is a type of Jesus, is Kingsman Redeemer. He, in this story, he represents who Jesus is to us. And obviously, he has seen what she's doing. She's working. She's looking, working to gather grain to um, look after herself and her mother-in-law. And what does he say? He says, don't go and glean anywhere else. Stay here. Stay here. Stay close by the maids that are already here. So what do we see? He gives guidance. Yes, he's guiding her. This is what you need to do. Who is guiding her through Boaz? All right, because we remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. She has acknowledged God. She has sacrificed. She has come. And what is he doing? He's directing her paths. Okay. Remember, we're all coming back to find out why we're under the shadow of his wings. <laughs> okay. I continue reading. Boaz said, watch which field they reap, follow behind them. That's the maids that were already there. I have commanded the servants not to touch you. And when you're thirsty, go to the water jars, drink from what the servants draw. Then she kneeled face down, bowing to the ground and said, why have I find, found favor in your eyes that you should notice me when I'm a foreigner? Boaz answered her, I have been made fully aware of everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left father, mother, the land of your birth and have come to a people that you did not know. May the Lord repay you from your kindness and may your reward be 
fall from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So she's under, so this is what she's finding under the wings of God. Yes, she's finding favor. She's finding provision. She's finding guidance under the wings of the Lord. Because that's what he said. Under whose, it's under God's wings you have come to take refuge. And we read in, in um, verse, um, in Psalm, the second one that I read out, which was Psalm, I think it was Psalm 32. Psalm 36, he says, the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. So this is what you get in the shadow of the wings. And remember, the shadow is because you are dwelling in the presence. Okay. So then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and you have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not as one of your maidservants. So what has she got, got again? Comfort. She's now comforted. I'm in a strange place, and this person has recognized me, you know, and has spoken kindly to me. Maybe she was used to being shouted at in, her, in, her, in, in Moab, where she came from. But she, huh? That's why she, how come I found favor with you? Says you're under the refuge of the wings of the God of Israel. That's why you have favor. That's another thing you get under the refuge, favor. You get, once you're dwelling in that place, all these things will begin to follow you. She didn't even know. All she knew, all she knew was, your God shall be my God. And suddenly, all these things are just following her. Okay. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over, (laughs) eat some bread, dip your bread in the vinegar. She sat beside the reapers. He served her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied. You get satisfaction. And she had some left even for Naomi. When she got up to glean, Boaz ordered his servants, let her glean even among the sheaves, not only the ones on the ground, among the sheaves. Don't insult her, (laughs) protecting her honor. Also, you shall purposely pull out for her some stalks of grain from the sheaves. Leave them so she can collect them and do not rebuke her. My goodness. It doesn't stop. It continues. You know, um, don't insult her. Basically, I'm watching you guys. He has protected her honor as, as, as a woman, as a female, especially as a foreign female, you know, and, there be, and he, he, she had enough to be satisfied. <laughs> it's, I, I don't think in the time we have, we can truly go into everything. Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field till evening. She beat out what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley from the description that would have lasted them weeks. She picked it up went to the city, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Ruth also took out and gave to Naomi what she had saved when she had eaten and was satisfied. Her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and she said it was Boaz. And Naomi said, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not ceased his kindness to the living and to the dead. Um, 
Not only is Ruth being blessed, it's now spilling over to Naomi. <laughs> Naomi is now full till she is satisfied. You know, Naomi is now assured of her daily bread because she came back, you know, um, she came back, you know, not, not a, a, she, I think she said, call, don't call me, call me Mara, bitter, because, you know, she's, and look at what, because her daughter-in-law has um, decided your God shall be my God. She has now come under the refuge of the shadow of the wings of God. And not only is, is Ruth being blessed, it's now spilling over to Naomi. Naomi is now being full. And if, if for sake of time, we know, you know, if the rest of the book of Ruth, not only was Naomi filled, <laughs> you know, but then the, the, the parcel of land or the portion of land that was Elimelech's, you know, if we go further into the story, Boaz bought it back and gave it to them. Because of Ruth's decision to follow the God of Israel. This, these things just followed. She did not ask for it. They just followed her. Why? She was under the refuge of his wings. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. This is what you get abiding under the shadow. This is what you get abiding in the presence. This is what you... This is... Amen. This is what you get when you dwell constantly turning your thoughts towards him, constantly listening for his voice. That's why I am insistent that Elder Deji has to either do that again plus the second part or somehow because it was such an important message last week. Such an important message. So it's now spilling over into Naomi. All right. Um, Yes, I know that I'm going to have to run. Okay. So um, Ruth continued and, and she lived with her mother-in-law and provided sustenance for both herself and her mother-in-law. And she never complained about having to go to work. Never, never. You know, she found favor, which you will find under the shadow of his wings. Um, um, provision, they never lacked. They got their house back, they got the land back, and we know that it didn't stop there. I mean, the provision reminds us of Philippians 4.19. My God will liberally, I mean, it was like God was fulfilling the scriptures in, in um, Ruth. My God will liberally supply, fill until full. Remember, they were satisfied. Your every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's, that's your heritage. It is it, yours. <laughs> That's Jehovah Jireh, isn't it? Remember, we're also learning about the names of God and who he is. The guidance. Jehovah Rohi, the shepherd, he guides. He shows the sheep where to go. He leads them. He shows them, guides them. Okay, um, her um, Ruth's favor was massive, massive. So, and then as we go on in Ruth, we also read of Boaz actually getting married 
to Ruth. Wow. The marriage supper is ours. And we also know that she becomes the grandmother of King David. She now gets, she now gets mentioned in, in scripture. She's the grandmother of King David and also one of the ancestors of Jesus himself. Why? My God, your God shall be my God. Whatever it takes, if there are works to be done, I'll do them. If there's honor to be given, I'll give that honor. Whatever it takes, I will do. Not She wasn't doing it because she wanted the benefits. Those are just the overspill of her determination to serve the Lord. All right. Property came back. Restoration. Yeah. Uh, marriage. Honor. Now she, she has a, a, a son, um, and, and that was Jesse. And what happens? Naomi gets to the baby she never had. The sorry, the grandchild she never had. She now gets a grandchild through her foreign daughter-in-law, who has now come to live with her. The blessings, they're too many to count. They're too many. <laughs> okay. So that was just oh, 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 <laughs> that was just from Ruth and the refuge under the shadow of the wings of the Lord. Um, and then I, I, I continued, I was, uh, do I have time? It's, these are not too much, but it just, again, there's so much to be gleaned from the shadow of the Lord. The, this is now um, Luke one thirty-five. Luke one thirty-five. Then the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, singless, sinless thing, offspring, which shall be born of you, will be called the Son of God. Um, I had looked up overshadow. It's the only difference between the shadow and the overshadow is um, the overshadow is from above. And the other shadow can be from in front of you. So we hear about the overshadowing of the Most High again over Mary. So um, why do we think the Lord chose Mary? How do we know he didn't go to some others and it didn't work? Why was Mary the chosen one? Well, me thinks that Mary, you know, was dedicated to her God. I'm sure because it's, that's what, I mean, if we look at who Ruth was and the way why she was blessed, I'm sure I don't have any scriptural proof, but I mean, uh, I'm sure Mary and her relationship with God was awesome. So the overshadowing of the Lord over Mary, what did it bring? Fruitfulness. She got pregnant. Fruitfulness. The Lord says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. She was fruitful from the overshadowing of the Lord. You will be fruitful. And fruitfulness is not only pregnancy. 
it's, you know, everything it blossoms, everything works out. Why? Because you're dwelling, because you are listening to his guidance and his direction. And so you will be fruitful because you're going to be listening and obedient to whatever he tells you to do. You, you can't but be fruitful. If you're listening, that's why we have to hear that again. What, what, you know, that message. Because it, how can we miss all of this? <laughs> then Mary again... Mary, after being fruitful, she, she, she got courage and boldness and confidence. How many tongues were wagging? Mary's, Mary's pregnant. She's not married. Mary's pregnant. She, she got pregnant before she was married. How do you walk through that if the Lord hasn't given you the courage, the boldness, and the confidence how many people do you, do you go and say, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I didn't sleep with a man. A ghost made me pregnant. Hmm? That's what it sounds like, isn't it? The Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay. So how many people would believe her? But she, she knew that's why I'm sure she knew her God. Because even when Angel Gabriel came, she wasn't, no, who are you? Where did you come from? She, she accepted him as, uh, maybe she had seen angels before. But Mary definitely knew her God. All right. And that's exactly what we would get as well. You know, under that shadow, you become bold. You become courageous. You become confident. In fact, there was one um, video I wanted to show. Um, somehow I didn't. Um, it was, it was um, a video of um, a young bear cub. I actually showed it in, in Sunday school. <laughs> it was a young bear cub in the, in the wilderness. And this bear cub was being chased by a mountain lion. It, it, obviously, the bear cub had um, moved away from its parents. And it was grazing, and the mountain lion saw it and began the chase. The bear cub ran and ran. It ran on this branch. At the end of the branch, the branch broke. It fell into the river. The mountain lion followed it, followed it on land. He, the bear cub was hanging onto this piece of wood, was being taken, taken, and the tide was taking it closer and closer to the shore where the mountain lion, and it was yelping and yelping, and the lion reached out at it, grabbed it, you know, it, it injured its face, and the bear somehow got up and started running, and there was nowhere else to go. So the little bear cub stood, faced it, no, where? And then when it did the her, the sound that came out was So the bear cub was like And the mountain lion started going back. But when they showed us the full video behind Behind the bear cub was this giant bear. Obviously, he did, oh my goodness, I, I just get goose flesh because that's who God is to us. That's who he is. You know, he, he, this, so the, uh, that the bear was saying was drowned by the sound of whether it was the father or the mother, I don't know. But then obviously when the mountain lion saw, he went back. He went back. He had no choice but to leave this. And that's it. it, it you know, the, the, the her, her of the little bear cub alerted the parent. Where, where he was behind the rock. Like, I can hear. When we cry unto the Lord, he hears. 
How many times did David say in the Psalms, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me and he came. There was one part of the Psalms that said, look, it was as if God moved everything in heaven then thundered down to answer David's cry. And that's who God is. And that's if you dwell under the shadow, that's your portion. There's no time you will cry and that the Lord will not answer immediately. He will not let any danger come to you. Okay, um, that, that was extra. <laughs> okay, so yes, you get courage, you get boldness and confidence because you know if you have any problems, all you need to do is, Lord, he'll hear you, he'll be there, he'll be there. Okay, um, so another one was Luke, do I have time? Luke 9, 34 to 35. But even as he was saying this, a cloud came and began to overshadow them. And they were seized with alarm and struck with fear as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, my beloved. Listen to, yield to, and obey him. So these were the disciples on this transfiguration, obviously, and they went up to the mountain and a cloud came and overshadowed them. And you know, the amazing thing which in this was, they entered into the cloud. It says, they were seized with alarm, struck with fear as they entered. I'd never seen that before. I didn't know they entered into the cloud. It was just, I knew the cloud was there and they saw it. They entered in to the cloud. Obviously we're talking about um, the overshadowing as being God's presence, the shadow. So they actually entered into God's presence. And what happened when they were in there? They heard the voice of the Lord clearly, clearly. And he, he gave them instruction. He says, listen to, yield to, and obey my son. This is my son. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. Where do we hear the voice of the Lord? In his presence. It is made clear. Wisdom is given to you. Direction is given to you in that place. You know, his voice becomes clear. You know what to do. Hmm. Okay. Um, Isaiah 51, 16. I think some of them are very clear. Very clear. Okay. This may be the, I won't do the other one. I'll do this one as the last. I've, Isaiah 51, 16. And I've put my words in your mouth. I've covered you with the shadow of my hand. That I may fix the new heavens as a tabernacle and lay the foundations of a new earth and say to Zion, you are my people. When I read that, I was like, Lord, I don't fully understand it. So I, I picked up the message. And he says, I teach you how to walk, to talk word by word, and personally watch over you. Hi. The Lord personally watches over you. Basically, he protects you. And even 
while I'm unfurling the skies, setting the earth on solid foundations and greeting Zion, welcome my people. Basically, he's saying, even though I am doing a lot of things, I have time to personally watch over you. The verse, the Amplified said, cover you. So whether it's cover or watch, he's protecting you. Um, so yes, um, because of time, I don't think I will do... Can I? Uh, just one more. Just one more. Acts 5.15. So Jesus hides you. He protects you. He watches over you. He keeps you safe. Because you dwell. Okay. Um, Acts 5.15. So that they even kept carrying out the sick into the streets and placing them on couches and sleeping pads in the hope that as Peter passed by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. So, Peter, Peter's shadow, real shadow, the dark area, his image, his real shadow, is now healing people. Why? Why would Peter's shadow heal? We, we've already talked about the presence of God. Do you think Peter dwelt in the presence? You think? Do you think, you know, he did? And what ha so, so what happened to him as he dwelt? Obviously, the presence of the Lord has now come upon him. He's now carrying the presence of the Lord. So much so that his dark image, his dark image, which God doesn't have, his dark image is now healing people. Wow. Why will we not dwell? Why will we not dwell? You know what? We cannot dwell in the presence of the Lord and not carry his presence. So why are we not seeing miracles? <laughs> yeah? If Peter's shadow could heal the sick. I know that's one of the contentions we need to, to, to have. You know, what, what's the difference between us and Peter? He dwelt. He dwelt. He dwelt in the shadow of the Most High. He dwelt under the refuge of the, shad the shadow of his wings. He dwelt there. His thoughts continually turned to the Lord. The Lord was continually on his mind. He wouldn't step without asking the Lord. They got to Gate Beautiful, him, him and John, and they said, to, what we have, what we have, basically the presence of the Lord that we have, we give to you, rise up. And the cripple walked. Are we carrying the presence? Okay. Remember, Jesus said to us, um, the works that I do, he will do, and greater works than these will he do. And that's because he has gone to the Father and he has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, <laughs> can you, <laughs> we actually have the presence of God living inside of us and we don't access it because we don't listen. We're not continuously thinking about him even living inside of us. Okay. 
I'll just read a testimony and I'll end. And this was, um, no, no, it's no, no, can't. Five more minutes. Charles Finney was a man who was known to abide continuously in prayer. If you're abiding continuously in prayer, obviously you're abiding in the presence. You're continuously, because prayer is not one way. It's not me praying to the Lord only. It's also me receiving from the Lord. All right. Um, and he said, Charles Finney said, the most amazing display of God's power in his life came one day as he went to visit a cotton factory at New York Mills, a small town near Utica in New York. Prior to his visit to the factory, more than 500 converts were reported saved in the short time that he had been in Utica. Unusual conversions were reported. A proud, disbelieving school teacher came to make light of what was happening to her friends who had been saved, when she too was suddenly convicted of her lost condition. Not long afterwards, she married a Mr. Gulick, who became a missionary to the Sandwich Islands where God used them both mightily. Everyone in the area had heard what was going on and the people were divided. A great number of those against the meeting were openly opposing. As Finney walked into the cotton mill, one of the opponents of the meeting, a young lady employee, saw him. Looking at her co-employee, she began to laugh, ha, ha, ha. Some writers even say she made a cynical remark about Finney and his meeting. In a spirit of prayer, when he says a spirit of prayer, obviously he's talking to the Lord. And the Lord, um, anyway, Charles Finney simply looked at this young lady without saying in a word. He kept looking at her, being grieved by her criticism. The lady stopped working as she had broken her thread. Remember, she was in a cotton mill. She became so upset that she couldn't repair the thread and start again. The spirit of the Lord mightily convicted her of her sin to the point that she suddenly began to weep. He hadn't said a word. He didn't say anything. Soon her companions were convicted and they began to weep. A chain reaction occurred. Hundreds began to be overcome by their lost condition. The factory owner, seeing this, was deeply moved himself and said, stop the mill. Let the people attend to religion. It is far more important that our souls be saved than the factory run. Charles Finney didn't say anything. But it does say he was a man given to prayer. All the workers were assembled in a very large room and Finney said, a more powerful meeting I scarcely ever attended. Within a few days, nearly every single employee was saved. Some say they were all saved and there were 3,000 in the factory. The presence of the Lord brings conviction on people. You carry the presence, you walk by someone and they begin to cry. They become convicted. They hold on to you, how can I be saved? Okay. Um, so, <laughs> there are miracles, deliverance, salvation, healing. Everything is found in the presence of the Lord. 
He who dwells shall abide under the shadow. That's his, the shadow is his presence that rests on us. That's what he leaves behind with us. That's his shadow. We dwell. Yes, we have our secret place time and that's awesome, but that's not enough. Your thoughts through the day. Because once you come away from there and your mind goes everywhere else, then you, you lose touch. So continuously, whatever it takes for you to continuously turn your thoughts, talk with him. You know, someone like, yeah, that will be your lifestyle. It's awesome. It's awesome. Did you hear all the benefits? Then, you know, because we're looking at who God is and what his names are, I have, I, and I didn't finish the list. I'm like, all right, in the presence of God that we refer to as his shadow, we get to know him as the omnipresent God the indwelling spirit, Emmanuel, the one who gives us courage, the one who gives us boldness, the one who gives us confidence, the one who gives us favor. We know him as Jehovah Jireh. We know him as, as Jehovah Rohi, the one who comforts us, the one who is full of loving kindness, the one who treats us with honor, the one who covers us, the one who saves, the one who delivers, the one who heals. Um, the, I mean, that, that's just from this. So Father God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, help us dwell. Help us dwell in your presence, Lord. We want to be those who witness who are witnesses unto your kingdom by also doing the works that you have asked us to do. We can't do them without your presence. So help us dwell. Help us tune our ears into you even while we're sleeping. Our spirits never sleep. Help us to be more aware of our spiritual being even than the physical so that we can put our physical body down and say, you know what? When it's time to fast, when it's time to seek the Lord, when it's time to wake up and seek the Lord, we will. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Your word is an encouragement to us, Lord God. And we say, Lord, help us not just to read it, but to see, to see, to search it out, to find out what you're saying to us through your word, that we may be true witnesses of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, by the way, there was a little thing about what Deji said. It's time, yeah? Oh. Yeah, no, you know, Deji, when you said about thanks, I just wanted to share this because it's, it's, it's just, we learn from everything. So, um, Safia is my youngest daughter. She has, she has a one and a half year old. And um, Safia was in the morning, you know, she goes to work and she was, she had brought him out and he had had breakfast and she was quickly eating her breakfast. She had to go quickly and she was eating cereal. And 
under normal circumstances, Ziggy doesn't eat cereal. He has pancakes or something else. So he had had his, and he was looking at her. Uh, you want some? You know, she's in a hurry, so she put some in his plate, and he finished it. Uh, she's like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be late. And so she took some more and put it in. Third time. Uh, so she put it in, and then he looked at her and said, thank you. <laughs> she broke down. She gave him all her cereal. She was full of tears. That's what happens to God when we say thank you. He's touched. He's touched. He's moved to give you everything he has. You know, it was just such a lesson for me. Um, I just saw it, and I just thought, this is God. So I shared it with you. So I just thought, when you were saying thank you, when you were talking about thank you, I thought, yeah, I'll share that. So, yeah, I'm done. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 